And then the other side is, is what did God use when he created creation? Now, instinctively, our first knee-jerk responses would, would be to say, well, in the beginning, God created and God said, let there be and there was. That would be our knee-jerk response in saying, well, that God created creation with words. Well, the reality is, is that God used words. He spoke words. That's what he did. But he used something along with his words. Oftentimes, we think that God created something out of nothing, but actually God had something that he used in order to create the materiality of this world. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance. Everybody say substance. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that means that faith has a materiality to it. There is a substance to this thing called faith. And the Bible says that the substance of faith created something that was unseen but gave evidence to those things that were we hoping for. Are you tracking with me? So God used the substance of faith and used his words to put it into action to create a materiality or a reality. Are you tracking with me? And so God, once again, spoke words and he engaged faith or the substance of faith by his words. Now, why is that important? Because, number one, the Bible says that God created us in His image and His likeness. And when you look at this planet, this planet is a word planet. Everything about this world, this planet, is governed by words. Is it not? How did it come into existence? God said, let there be, and it was through the substance of faith. How does our nation, what governs our nation? Words. Words govern our nation through legislation. If, if you've ever got a mortgage or you've had any kind of contract, it was based upon words, right? And just not too long ago, I had the privilege of Marrying just the newlyweds that are here in the room tonight, uh, uh, Matt and Terry, they came into loving marriage matrimony, and we stood in the sight of God and all their friends, and they exchanged words of covenant or promise to one another, and based upon the words or the promise or the covenant that they exchanged to one another, it, they were married in the sight of God. They became one. They became husband and wife, and it was through words and then after we got done with the formalities of the ceremony there was a contract of words and upon the ceremony itself we stood to the side and they signed their name to the contract of words and therefore those words through the government are recognized legally 
as husband and wife. Are you seeing what I'm saying? So words are very important. Words are significant. And it all began with God releasing faith or tapping into the heavenly materiality, the substance of faith, by using His words. Now, why is that important? Because if you recall last week, we looked over in Romans chapter 4 and we started to examine or look at Abraham. And the Bible says that he is the father of faith. Well, if faith was what was the substance that created the universe, and the Bible tells us that Abraham is the father of faith, then we ought to learn from Father Abraham as to how he made his faith work so that he became the father of many nations. So in Romans chapter 4, the Bible says that God called those things that be not as though they were. Let me say that again. God called those things that be not. Let me say it again. God called those things that be not as though they were. And said to Abraham, you shall be the father of many nations. And the Bible tells us that concerning Abraham, that the Bible says that uh, Abraham considered not his own body, not being weak in faith, for he was almost a hundred years old and Sarah was barren in her womb, but counted God faithful and was firmly persuaded that which God had said he was able to perform. So God stepped into the scene and said some things. He said to Abraham, I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. So therefore, his words tap into the substance of faith and begin to create a reality in the mind of God. So God already saw what he saw. It was already a reality in the mind of God. There was evidence of things hoped for and things not seen, but in the mind of God, he already knew what was going to come to pass. But it was all contingent upon Abraham. What did Abraham do? The Bible says that Abraham hooked up with God. He sided in with God. He agreed with God and said, well, if God said it, that settles it. And he began to say, I'm the father of many nations. I believe what God says. There is a reality. I see the picture. I'm the father of many nations. I've got a generation. I am the father of all humanity to come. That didn't come for 25 years. But nevertheless, he continued to stand in faith, not considering his body, not wavering in unbelief, but said, God, you said God, you called those things that be not as though they were. Therefore, I call those things that be not as though they were. And he agreed with God. So therefore, God's reality became Abraham's reality. And therefore, he began to say what God said. Now, there's something to be said for that. Because notice what it says. It says that God called those things that be not as though they were. 
It didn't say that God called those things that were as though they were not. He said he called those things that be not as though they were. See, what we're trying to do is to say, I'm not sick in Jesus' name. I'm not sick in Jesus' name. I'm not sick in Jesus' name. Well, if your body's sick, then you're sick. And if you're saying you're not sick, then you're lying. Because you're trying to say something that is, is not. God said that I call those things that be not as though they are. What's the reality in the natural realm? It might be that your body's sick. But in the reality of God, he says, you're well, you're healthy, you're whole. So therefore, I agree with God. My body's healthy, my body's whole. I call it so because God says so. Well, you don't feel like it right now, do you? Well, I'm not looking at what is. I'm calling those things that be not as though they are. Now, get a picture of that. God calls those things. When God said, let there be, he was saying, light, come. What showed up? Light. I've got a little dog that's named Buddy, and, and he's a, a very bright dog. I mean, listens, he's, he's real quick, real, real sharp, just a good-mannered dog. But there's times that he's ended up getting into my kids' trash buckets, you know, they have... You know, they'll put all kinds of things in there, half-eaten brownies or whatever, you know, and he goes snooping around, and there's times that he's tore their trash all up. And so if I don't see him in the living room, I'm like, all right, where's that dog at? And I'll, buddy, buddy. And all of a sudden, I'll hear him trotting from the back, and he comes looking around the corner. Yes, Dad? <laughs> well, when I called for Buddy, my oldest daughter didn't come running out from the back. Yes, Dad? Why? Because I didn't call for Grayson. Who did I call for? I called Buddy. I called those things that be not. Where was he not? He was not in my presence. But the moment that I called for him, who made an appearance? Not my son, not my daughter, my dog. Why? Because I called my dog. Right? Well, when it comes to the mind of God, God said... That I've come that you might be whole. And God calls your body well. And so therefore, if I hook up and agree with God like Abraham did. In fact, there's one translation that says that Abraham began to say what God said. Calling those things that be not as though they were. So in other words, what Abraham began to do is he began to call for his generation to come. And therefore, he expected it to show up. What do we do as his children? We hook up with God's word and we begin to call those things that God said because his word already tapped into the substance of faith, making it a material reality. He's just waiting for us to engage our faith and call it to be so. Are you seeing that? So concerning that very same thing, we talked about this last week concerning the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember when we talked about her? And again, for the sake of time, just to, to make it brief, the Bible says that she was sick for many years, spent all that she had, never, nevertheless she grew worse rather than better. But when she heard about Jesus, at some point in time, 
faith arose rose in her heart. So the Bible says that she heard. What is she hearing? Is she hearing trumpets blowing? Is she hearing dogs barking? Is she hearing the rooster crowing? No, she's hearing words about what Jesus was doing. And upon hearing words, words produced faith connecting her to the substance. Having hope for, confidence of things hoped for with the evidence of things not yet been seen. So what did she do? That faith began to create a materiality, a reality on the inside of her to the point where she said, when I get to where Jesus is, when I touch him, I'm whole. She began to call those things that be not as though they were. When I get there, I'm whole in Jesus' name. When I get there, all i got to do is touch it. When I'm there, it's mine. So in other words, she saw it before she ever received it. It was a reality in her heart before she ever started on her journey. Why? Because faith created a materiality, a reality in her life, and she began to walk it out. And she began to say, when I get there, when I get there, what was she doing? She was releasing her faith with her words. Amen? So we're trusting God in what he said, agreeing with his word, calling those things that be not as though they are. Once again, calling those things that, not calling those things that are, but calling those things that be not as though they were. Are you seeing the difference? Because again, now again, let me, let me just, let me expound on that. Because again, sometimes we, we think that that's splitting hairs. And there's a, there's a, a, a fine line of revelation in that. I call those things that be not as though they are or as though they were. I do not call those things that are as though they're not. Are you seeing the difference? And it makes a huge difference when it comes to us engaging our faith. For instance, just to kind of give you a, a scenario, uh, in terms of faith, and again, this is just a little bit of a side journey, in terms of using words to release faith, there was a, an individual just, just within the last few weeks, uh, we were talking and he says to me, he said, uh, he said, man, I found this lump, kind of like a tumor. And so, you know, I got to go into the doctor. And so we just began to talk a little bit. And I just kind of asked him some questions. Well, where are you at? Where's your thoughts? Where's your head? Where's your heart? That kind of thing. Just kind of just identifying where he's at. But then this is the next statement that he made. He said, well, he said, I know one thing that if it's anything, I know that I can come to you and we can agree together and, and it's going to be taken care of. Well, what was he doing? One, one thing that he was doing, he was recognizing the office of his pastor. Not saying that my pastor is a superhero. 
He says, I recognize that my pastor has an anointing on his life. I recognize that my pastor is my pastor. And therefore, because he's my pastor that God has assigned me to, I can submit myself to him as a pastor, agree together, and the anointing on his life, we can begin to see God do this thing and take care of it. And why do I say that? Because, again, he's releasing his faith in words. But there's a whole lot of people in church that don't recognize a pastor as their pastor. It's just a man. And so when it comes to that, I don't have any place to release my anointing or the anointing that God's placed on my life as a pastor over the shepherd or over the sheep flock being a shepherd unless you identify that man or woman as your pastor. Does that make sense? And so in that, he was saying, listen, I know that whatever it is, no worries. Then he went to the doctor, came back, said, well, it's just, just fat. They said, we're going to hack it off. We're, gonna, we're all good. Good to go. <laughs> and so, no worries. So he's going he's gonna to lose some weight in just a little bit. I don't you know. So good for him. <laughs> Maybe two for one. I don't know. <laughs> I've got this tumor right here. <laughs> oh, it isn't funny when you think about it. <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> stop eating that stuff. But anyways, praise God. What are we talking about? We're talking about agreeing with God's word. If God said it, that settles it. And for us, we put a high premium on the Word of God. The Word of God is the end-all, be-all. There's a lot of people that, that, that will question the Word of God, the validity of the Word of God. But as for us, we believe what the Word of God says. If it says it, that settles it. So concerning the Word of God, concerning what God has said, let me just give you a couple things concerning how God views His Word in our lives. One, He says, I'm the same, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I'm the Lord your God, I change not. He said, my Word is forever settled in heaven. He says, my Word, it doesn't return to me void. He goes on to say, he says, I even exalt my word above my name. If I said it, that settles it. And see, concerning the word of God, there's all kinds of stipulations that we have put in place. Well, God does it for some. God doesn't do that today. Well, you got to do X, Y, and Z, jump through the hoops, whatever it is, in order to get God to, to heal your body or get involved in your life. But we see from cover to cover through the Word of God, God always intervened on the behalf of His people when it came to healing. And all they did was ask. Sometimes in the Old Testament, we see Him doing some begging and complaining, but nevertheless, God had mercy on them, Right? And nowhere do we ever see God put conditions on us receiving from Him. Now, there's a couple of things that He says can hinder it. He says, now, you can ask anything that you desire and be done for you. He says, you can, you can have what you ask for. He said, but now, if you've got forgiveness against somebody or unforgiveness towards somebody, He said, you better forgive them. Or your father won't forgive you, which is in heaven. So in other words, if you walk in unforgiveness, it'll hinder your faith to receive from God. 
And so here's my encouragement to you. If you've got some things going on in your heart, if there's people that you haven't released, if there's things that you're holding on to and say, well, you don't know what they've done to me. Listen, it'll keep you from receiving. I said it'll keep you from receiving. In fact, my pastor, he told us a story. In fact, it's, it's one that just really, it amazes you how stubborn and hard-headed people are. There was a woman that was in their church and she was in the hospital in ICU, went to visit her. And upon going and visiting, uh, visiting her, they prayed for her, believed in God for her. But then in the midst of them visiting, I don't know if it was in the same visit or times that they came back, but she had this book that she was holding on to. And my pastor said to her, says, well, what's that book that you keep reading? She said, well, this is the things that all my kids have done wrong to me. She goes, I've kept a journal of all the things of how they treated me badly, did this and did that. And she said, and I was just going over it. And my pastor said to her, says, you better get rid of that and get rid of it now or you're going to die. He was speaking to her by the Spirit of God. And she said, oh, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that. You don't know what they've done to me. And she held on to that, refusing to get rid of it, and she did die. Well, the scripture says, if you choose not to forgive, your prayers go unanswered. So you can pray all day long, squall and ball all day long, but if you want to hold on to resentment, bitterness, unforgiveness in your heart, don't think that you're going to receive from God. Well, you say, well, what do I do? Just make a quick adjustment. It's just as quick as saying, okay, God, I forgive I release that person. It might be hard on your natural man, but it's not about your natural man. It's about your spirit man. To say, God, I choose right now to forgive them. God, again, God will help the feelings come in line later on. Again, feelings are nothing but emotions. You might say, well, I still, I still have hurt feelings, but you choose to forgive, and God will help the feelings line up down the road. And you'll have to choose to watch your words, watch and guard your thought life, all those kind of things. But it's a quick adjustment just to say, God, I, I release them now. I forgive them in Jesus' name. Amen. And it gives God the opportunity to heal your body. So God said, I exalt my word above my name. I'm the Lord your God. I change not. So let's look at God's word. We may have looked at this before. You, you may have heard this before. But if you will, turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 53. Because there is a reality in the mind of God of how God sees you, of who you are in His mind, in His eye. And it's a matter of us coming to the place of where we see what God sees concerning ourselves. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, I'm going to read this from the Amplified. Because when you read it from the King James or the New King James, there are some words that you say, well, yeah, but see what that says. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily mean sickness. Or you could have some wiggle room to say, well, it doesn't really mean that. But let me read it to you from the Amplified. The Amplified expounds more upon the Greek and the Hebrew. And notice what it says here. He says, surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, 
as if it was leprosy. In other words, we're saying, well, God struck him down. God did that. But really what it's saying is that Jesus became the sacrifice and took your place. Grief, sickness, sorrows, disease was placed upon him that rightfully belonged to to us through the punishment of sin. Verse 5, it says, But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt, our iniquities, the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him. And with the stripes that wounded, wounded him, we are healed and made whole. Now, that was prophetically speaking of Jesus that was coming. And notice what God prophesied concerning that matter of the redemptive work. By the stripes and the punishment that Jesus took for you was to take the place or take the punishment for the griefs, the sickness, and the sorrows that he took upon his body. Therefore, he carried his sick, your sickness, your sorrows. So why do we keep on trying to carry them? I don't care if it's a hangnail. In fact, God said this to me one time. He says, I'll allow what you permit. See, oftentimes we're saying to God, God, how come? How come? How come, God? And God says, well, as long as you're going to, as long as you're going to permit it in your body, well, I have to allow it. Jesus carried your griefs, your sorrows, your depressions, your pain, your sickness, that which was, that which might try to come. He took it upon his body, and God said, by his stripes, you are healed. So God said, release faith into things that were not yet seen through what Jesus was coming to do, and it became a reality in the mind of God. You are healed. Well, my question for you, has Jesus come and gone? Did he go to the cross? Did he take stripes upon his back for us? If the answer is yes, then that means it's already been paid for. So in the mind of God, we are healed. Yeah, but I'm sick. In the mind of God... In God's reality, you're healed. Well, if that's the case, then why am I feeling these these pains and these sicknesses? Because the devil's trying to make you sick. The reality is, in God's mind, you're healed. You're not trying to get healed. You are healed. It's the enemy that is trying to make you sick. And if he can bring symptoms, bring pains, bring sickness in your body, and if you'll just sit back and say, well, I guess they say I'm going to die of cancer, you're going to die of cancer. Because you've agreed with, you've sided in with what the symptom, the sickness that has tried to come and make you sick versus siding in with the reality of God that says, when Jesus paid the price, you were healed. You are If you are, then you am. If you am, then you were. If you were, then you are. And everything in between. (laughs) All right? uh, 2 Peter 2, verse 24 says this. It says, by his stripes you were healed. So we see that there was a prophetic word given by God before Jesus came. And then after Jesus came, there was a word given. Now listen, just to remind you, Jesus came 
and because of his stripes that were born for you, you were healed. So that's past tense, isn't it? See the power of the word? You mean I was healed? Well, if I was, then I am. Come on, are you seeing this? Again, I realize that symptoms, sickness is real. It's real to the natural body. But in the mind of God, God already said, your body is healthy and whole and it's healed. Now stand in that. Do you recall last week I made this statement? I said, many times people will make these statements and saying, you know, uh, God's going to do it. Remember I talked about wavering and wavering is taking sides against God's word. And when we say, well, I'm going to get healed, God's going to do it. You're taking a stand against the reality of God's word. Not that you're willfully saying, I reject it, God. But you're taking a stand in where your faith is. And your faith is saying, I believe that God can. But what you refuse to believe or see or have not have wisdom or revelation in, and that is that God has already done it. So when I keep saying God's going to do it, God's going to do it, God's going to do it, I take a stand against what God said he's already done. Does that make sense? So I have to change what I believe or I have to increase my faith or grow my faith in the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How does that wisdom come? Through the words that God has already spoken. And it takes me from a present reality over into God's reality. And it begins to change the way that I talk. I call those things that be not as though they are. What do you feel better yet? No matter what I feel. That's just my physical body right now. But I call those things that be not as though they were. I call this body healthy and whole in Jesus' name. This body's lining up in Jesus' name. Amen? Words are important. Do you recall Mary? Again, we're talking about agreeing with God's word. When you agree with God's word, you'll begin to say the same thing as. That's what agreement means. You remember when the angel came to Mary, the mother of Jesus? And he, he, the angel says to her, he says, you found great favor in the eyes of God. And you're going to have a child. And she responds from the natural. And it's normal to do that. We're all human beings. We all have a physical nature. And it's commonplace to respond and say, yeah, but I feel. This is what the doctor said. And when the angel came and said, you're going to have a child, she responded from that place and says, how can that be? I've not known a man. And he says, oh, but God's found favor on you. What was her next words? According to your word, be it unto me. It wasn't the angel's word. It was the word of God being delivered. And she said, according to your word, be it unto me. I call those things that be not as though they are. You said it, that settles it, therefore I believe it. That's what it means to agree with God. Begin to say the same thing as. 
we've got to begin to see God's reality. Amen? So turn to one last place. Turn to Mark chapter 11. You doing okay? Now we're almost to the place where we're going to minister to individuals if you have need in your physical body. So you just begin to prepare your heart right now as we just share these next couple verses. Mark 11, verse 23. It would be familiar to you if you've been around here, but it says this. It says, for assuredly, this is Jesus speaking, by the way. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Jesus is giving us the illustration or telling us what faith looks like. Notice this looks just like what God said to Abraham. Calling those things that be not as though they are. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. Where's the mountain right now? It's right in front of you. What's he say? Do it. Do to it. He says, speak to it and tell it to move and get in the sea. Evidence of things hoped for, or the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. He's calling those things or telling them, call those things that be not as though they are. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, considering God faithful, holding God to his promise, but believes those things that he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. When do you receive them? When you pray. He didn't say you received them when it shows up. You don't receive them when you start necessarily feeling better. You receive them when you pray. Because that's what faith is. Now, the actual translation says, you take it. Well, how can I take it? Because God already said, you're healed. You mean I'm not trying to get healed? No, you are healed. So I take my healing. I take my health. I take what God already says. I take the substance of faith that will make it a materiality in my body because God said it. If he said it, it settles it. So therefore, when I take it, what do I do? If I was to say, Chuck, I bought you a brand new phone. It's an iPhone 7, hot off the press. In fact, it's an iPhone 7 Plus. It's got voice recognition. It's got, it's got face recognition. Won't let your wife get into it or nothing. You know, just, <laughs> here, I'm giving this to you. What are you going to do? You're going to take it. And then upon you taking it, what are you going to do? Use it. But what, what's the immediate response when somebody gives you something? Thank, thank you. 
So if I believe that I receive, what's my next response? Thank you, God. Thank you. And then you still feel the pain. Ooh. Thank you, God. I'm healthy and whole. Thank you, God. Thank you. The devil says, yeah, but you know you're going into the doctor next week. What do you think they're going to say? Thank you, God. Thank you. I'm healthy and whole in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. What am I doing? I'm, <clears throat> I'm thanking them for what I've taken from them. I'm not taking something that don't belong to me. He already said I'm healthy and I'm whole. He already said by his stripes you are healed. And when I take my healing, sickness has to go. You're just replacing it. You're taking your place as a child of God. And lastly, the Bible says this. In Mark chapter 16, verse 15, the Bible says, lay hands on the sick. This is the great commission that Jesus instructed. He said, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Now, here's where we get so short-sighted because that word shall is a covenant word, which means with a surety, it'll happen. Lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. So, here's what we're going to do. If you have need of healing in your body, we're going to lay hands just simply put a hand on you and we're going to pray the prayer of faith and release substance of faith by our words and the healing power of God is going to touch your body. I'll share this one last thing with you before, before we do that. I've shared these stories with you going to the Philippines of the things that I've seen. And when it comes to the people of the Philippines, they don't have much of anything, so clinging on to God is something that they do with a passion. And when we were ministering in the open crusades of the Philippines... We administer to them for salvation. People would receive Christ. And then we would say, if you want to receive healing in your body, come on up. And time and time again, there was a number of people that I personally had the opportunity and privilege to pray for. And 99% of the people that I prayed for were instantly healed. Received from God. And there was a difference in how they came. I think I've shared the story with you concerning the one woman that was, was deaf. She had a hearing aid. And when she came up, I asked her very specifically. She was probably 70, 80 years old. Just a short little woman. And I said, how can I pray with you? She said, I want to hear. And I said, well, let's pray. She pulled the hearing aid out. It was one that had a cord to a little battery pack. She wound it up, stuck it in her purse. And the first thing that came to mind was just as Jesus said, I perceive you have faith to be healed. Because it was demonstrated in the way that she acted. Now, when I prayed for her, I put my hands on her ears. I prayed and I said, amen. Can you hear me? And I can hear you better. And I said, well, is it really good? She goes, 
well, no, I, it's better than what it was. I said, well, I said, that's not good enough, is it? She goes, no, I, I, want, I want to hear better. So I prayed a second time. Now, was I in unbelief? It's like, well, no, let's just release the anointing and let's get this thing done. When I took my hands off for that time, I said, how can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear. I said, is it better? Yes, yes, yes. I said, is it completely open? Well, no, no, but it's a lot better than what it was. I said, well, let's just get that whole thing right now. She goes, yes, yes. And so I put my hands on her ears again. And the third time I said, in Jesus' name, open in Jesus' name. And I said, can you hear? That third time she began to jump. Yes, yes, I can hear. 70, 80-year-old woman. But the approach of how she came was believing that she received upon approach. There was another woman that came. You could tell a distinct difference between the class of this woman versus that old woman. This older woman looked tattered, just knew that she was just kind of like everybody else. But this other woman, you could tell she was of a higher class. Maybe had money, just was more well-off than most people. And as I approached her, I says, how can I pray? She said, I want to be able to see. And she had glasses on, but apparently had poor eyesight. Well, as she's telling me, she's just weeping. And so I prayed for her. And I said, can you see any better? She started breaking down, bawling again. Oh, I want to see, I want to see, I want to see. So I prayed for her a second time. And I said, how, how is your vision now? Broke down, bawling and squalling again. Prayed for a third time. Bawled and squalled a third time. And went away the same as she came. The difference is, one came believing that they would receive. The other one came hoping and wishing. And it was apparent in the approach. Does it make sense? So you don't have to do anything tonight. All you have to do is come and receive. For the word says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. It's not my reputation. It's his. Because he said it. Therefore, I believe when we pray, the healing power of God goes to work immediately. Amen.